My guest on this week's episode of Suds and Search is Keith Gu, SEO Product Director at Cox Automotive. Keith has over two decades of experience in digital marketing. He's an in-demand conference presenter. A short list of the conferences where you might've heard Keith speak include PubCon, Digital Summit, SMX, and Advanced Search Summit. Keith has also served as a judge for various search marketing award shows, including the U.S. Search Awards, Interactive Search Awards, U.S. Social Media Awards, and Global Search Awards. He's held senior SEO positions with some of the largest brands in the world, including IBM and Dell. He's also served as a brand ambassador for the SEO tool suite, SEO Clarity. A little less than a year before our conversation, Keith started a position at Cox Automotive, the parent company of Dealer.com. For Keith, this meant a significant career transition from performing SEO for a website to resolving SEO issues for a website platform that thousands of automotive dealerships use. How was the transition gone? Was a typical day like at Dealer.com? Who are the stakeholders involved in making decisions? I'm going to ask Keith these questions and many more. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Keith Goode. We'll chat about prioritizing technical SEO tasks. We'll talk about doing SEO for large-scale platforms instead of just websites. And stay tuned to check out Keith's Star Wars-themed home bar. You don't want to miss it. All right, Keith Goode, welcome to Suds and Search. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. I uh, This is one of the all-time best backgrounds we've had here. So I don't want to miss the opportunity. I'm just drinking a hopper's hell from a local brewery in Western Michigan. That I'm really fond of, uh, what are you having to drink? Uh, I thought I would go easy uh, on myself today because I can make some really complicated cocktails. If you can't tell from the bar here, um, this is the good bar. Um, I can't come up with anything creative, like a really good name. Um, but you know, I, I thought I would go easy on myself and just mix up a dark and stormy, an actual dark and stormy. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. So you mean to get that well, started? Yeah, let's do it. I want to see how this goes. All right. So the dark and stormy is, good. yeah, it's, it's, it is a cocktail created by the Gosling's um, rum company out of Bermuda. Uh, so there is a specific way that you have to make it in order for it to be an actual dark and stormy. If you, uh, for example, don't make it, make it with Gosling's, you're not having a dark and stormy. You're just having a dark rum and uh, uh, ginger beer drink. So I'm just going to mix up a, a, the drink really quickly. You'll see how easy it is to make. Uh, it's basically just a half ounce of lime juice and ginger beer. So I'm going to take the lime juice. I'm cheating because this I don't have any cocktail. Yeah, I don't, I don't have as many cocktails as I used to back when, before the pandemic, people would come over and, and, and enjoy my beverages. So I just, I, uh, I, I keep it on it. stock here. Uh, and I'm going to do something interesting here. I'm going to go ahead and just put in the ginger beer, which, by the way, has to be Barrett's. This I was going to say, the ginger beer is going to make or break this drink, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, this is just the official... Uh, recipe by Gosling's, and if you have it with anything but Barrett's, it's not a dark and stormy. That's a little little known fact for you. I feel like the Cliff Clavin of the of the search industry. <laughs> and then finally, sort of um, as required by law, probably I'll probably get sued if I don't do this right. Of uh, two ounces of Gosling's dark rum, and this is the last of that one. And I'd, I'd like to pour it on top because it creates that nice little layered effect. It does. On there. Very pretty. Nicely so, done. That is a dark and stormy. 
Well, Keith, you are a man who really understands this show. So I appreciate everything in the background. <laughs> the Dark and Stormy looks great. Next time I'm in, in Austin, I might have to see if I can come visit that bar. So. Please do. Yeah, anytime. Well, listen, I haven't uh, I haven't caught up with you in a while. You've got uh, two decades of experience in this field. You've worked at some of the biggest brands in the entire world. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know, a little under a year ago, maybe 10 months, 11 months ago, you made a change. You're now at Cox Automotive. You're, I am. Uh, you're, you're learning all this automotive lingo that I've had to learn over the past few years. What has that transition been like? Hey, tell us about these last 11 months. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting transition. I was at IBM previously. Uh, prior to that, I was at SEO Clarity, um, working as right. their uh, global uh, evangelist for SEO, which means I, I, I taught a lot of classes. Prior to that, I was at Dell. And uh, prior to that, I was at uh, HomeAway, which is now the RPO, which is part of the Expedia group. Uh, prior to that, I was at AMD. So yeah, like you said, a lot of, a lot of the big uh, the big companies that you can be a part of, I was a part of. Um, the thing about my previous experiences is that I've actually worked uh, on the specific site, whereas at uh, Cox Automotive, I am the product manager, the SEO product manager for dealer.com, which is a platform that dealers use um, to build their websites and attract customers. So it's less about optimizing a website than it is about optimizing a platform. Uh, and yeah, that's, so that's been a really big transition because there are things that I can affect as a product manager for SEO on dealer. Uh, and there are many more things I can, I can't affect, which are going to be related to whatever the client decides to put on their website. As I'm sure you're aware, uh, they might put marketing scripts out there, tracking scripts and those things kind of break the experience. And that has nothing to do with me, but, uh, I have to look into it sometimes <laughs> to be sure. Yeah. So it's been an interesting transition for me to go from working on a website to working on a platform and trying to understand um, how SEO from a technical standpoint affects uh, 12 plus thousand websites as opposed to just one. It's, it's, it's a big gotta, transition. It's got to be interesting. And that's kind of where I want to take our, our conversation for those people, who, those people listening who are not in automotive. It's hard to overstate how big dealer.com is. I mean, just... 12,000 automotive dealerships on the platform. It's a big undertaking. Um, you know, I guess the thing that comes to mind, I get anxiety sometimes when I talk to guests who don't do what I do. So there's, you know, anything you, you do, there's going to be changes. Any change you make to that platform is going to impact thousands and thousands of businesses potentially. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of people interested in every single change that you make at dealer.com. Are you finding... Yeah. It's a lot more eyeballs on it now. So are you finding that there is a different sort of, I guess, customer service challenge doing SEO for a platform versus what you'd experience doing it for websites? Well, fortunately, I'm, I'm as a product manager, my um, immediate stakeholders are the analysts to deal with the customers, not yeah. me, uh, and the product teams, uh, as well as the executives. Uh, so I'm a little bit sheltered from that. I have dealt with a number of agencies and some clients who have persistent problems that I've tried to get in and help them uh, resolve, uh, try to figure out if it's something that's related to the platform or if it's something related to their specific implementation of the platform, uh, or if it's a third party problem that has nothing to do with, with our platform. So uh, my contact with the, with the clients has been fairly rare. 
Uh, but it is, it's a completely different uh, way of working because you are having to think about not just fixing a problem for tens of thousands you know, of sites, but you're having to find a way to fix it without breaking uh, the sites of say 10% of those who have a custom header, for example, that your fix would, would break for that matter. So we're having to figure out unique ways of scaling changes that won't break the current experience that dealers have on their websites. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge I could see. I mean, just the, the scale of it, I guess, is, is what I was getting at in my first, my first question. It's like, it's one thing to know a lot about technical SEO or technical aspects of SEO, but it seems like you'd have to know a lot about SEO and how big companies operate to do your job. Yeah. So to make a change, it's possible you have to have stakeholders, like not just developers, but marketers, leadership, internal people, uh, salespeople on the front lines, the analysts that you mentioned. That's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of people to, to keep in mind, maybe a lot of soft skill work. Uh, it is. You know, even if you have a great SEO recommendation, you're still going to get, need to get buy-in. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what do you have? Give us some tips about working within a large group like that to, to actually make progress. Well, that's fortunately one thing that hasn't changed by moving to a platform as opposed to working for an individual website. Um, when you get buy-in, uh, at the product level, it's not about uh, necessarily making uh, estimations of, you know, traffic to specific keywords like you would with content, for example. Right. We're going to drive X amount of traffic to this page. It's more about what is, you know, answering the question, uh, what additional funds will this make for us? In other words, can this make us more money? What amount of money is this going to save us that we're having to spend now? What future costs will this prevent? Um, so it, it does sort of hold up to, to costs, but it's also um, really important to understand how to set up what I like to term the LOE, LOI matrix, which is the level of effort versus the level of impact matrix. And the idea behind this is, is that if you have a change that is very low in effort, but is very high in impact, that's how you, that's where you, that's going to be your number one priority. Uh, if it's, if it's a high this. impact uh, high effort item, that may be something you want to add to your roadmap. If it is a low effort, uh, low impact type of change, that's probably busy work for you. But if it's a high effort and low impact change, uh, that's probably one you just want to never do. <laughs> so setting up uh, your individual problems and tasks into that matrix is a really good way of winning with executives because they can look at that matrix and understand, okay, this is this is going to give me the biggest bang for the buck. This one's going to cost a lot of money to, uh, to implement, but it's going to have a really big change. So let's make sure that that's on the roadmap. Um, so yeah, LOE, LOI, I, I, I push this out as much as I can because I think it's really important to understand uh, for SEOs to understand how they need to speak to executives in the language that really appeals to them. So um, I was in David Bain's SEO for 2022 uh, book and uh, the uh, sort of accompanying webinars. And this was sort of the gist of, of what I added to that book. I love it. And you're very good on this, like the prioritization work. Uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to ask you about a tweet I saw that you had that was really good recently. I'll, I'll read the tweet exactly. It said, one common aspect of technical SEO most people don't talk about is the overwhelming number of imperfections you could address, but probably shouldn't. 
You said this all goes back to prioritization. Does it matter? Yeah. So sometimes I guess the point you're making here, uh, low, like how much effort and how much impact, sometimes it's important to choose what not to do as yeah. it is to do, choose what to do. So yeah. if I could tell, tell us a little bit more about that, how do we prioritize the tasks and uh, is that matrix the key or is there more to this, more meat on this bone that we could talk about? I think it's, uh, so the, mat the matrix itself will help you visualize uh, what the priority should be for these items. Uh, right. The getting there is, is sometimes a matter of just experience. And I really feel bad for SEOs who are just getting started uh, yes. because they don't necessarily have the experience to know that, you know, I don't know, changing a title may, may actually have zero impact you right. know, on what you're trying to do. Or um, one of the things that, I, that I've run into uh, is spacing issues. So, for example, um, our platform and it's not necessarily unique to our platform. This happens a number of times. Doesn't necessarily um, deal with spaces the same way that it, it deals with other characters. And so, in some cases, that might be a percent twenty uh, showing up in the URL itself. And in some cases, that might be a plus mark that shows up in the URL itself. And sometimes that might be a hyphen uh, instead. Uh, you know, I'm working on it, but honestly, I can't. I can't put a lot of priority on it because when I look at GSC, Google's like. We figured it out. We know what's going right. on. So don't worry about it. So there might be a brand new SEO that looks at it and says, oh, my God, this is a serious problem. We have to fix this now. Can, can we get priority on it? As an experienced SEO, I can look at that and go, no, Google, Google's fine. Right. <laughs> Here, here's, here's how we tell that Google is fine. We go into GSC. We see, see how uh, they're, they're sending traffic to that page or how they're canonicalizing that page. Um, yeah, it, it's really interesting. Uh, and that, that really just comes from experience. I agree. Yeah, I, it's, that's, that's a great share. So, um, you know, go, going back to the job at, at Cox Automotive, I, I wonder if we could get down to a tactical level here. Like when I think about this job, I have a hard time even picturing what a typical day would be like or if there is mm -hmm. such a thing as a typical day for you. What sorts of things are you working on? Is there a typical day for, for you there? There are typical types of days for me, there is not a typical day uh, for me. So a typical type of day might be, for example, the day that it's completely loaded with meetings. And so as a product manager, um, I am responsible for being present in a lot of the development meetings that may or may not necessarily have anything to do with me, but I have to, I, I need to be there in order to hear and listen for um, anything that might potentially impact SEO. So, you know, I'm, as a result, I'm in a lot of development meetings that I'm sitting there sort of, in some cases, twiddling my thumbs, in some cases, checking Slack, email, those types of things. Um, but I, my, my ear is always listening. That's good to say. But then for, something comes up and you got you got to jump in and save the day. I, I, I get this. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So the, there are those types of days. Other types of days there, you know, which sometimes are rare. Uh, our actual work days where I can sit down and I can plow through something like deep crawl or I can dig through screaming frog and I can start looking for patterns. And that's one of the things that I find as a product, an SEO product manager for a platform, I have to look for patterns. I can't look for individual problems. If it's an individual problem, it's, it's, it may be 100% unique to that site. But if I see patterns across several sites, then it's a problem that I need to be addressing. The thing about that is, is I have to almost 
be vigilant all of the time looking for these types of, of patterns that might indicate a deeper problem that I need to address. So, you know, those work days uh, are days where I'm, I, I, I come in, I look at deep crawl, I, I look through everything, I'm looking for patterns, I'm looking for real problems. Uh, I'm digging into the uh, developer tools in Chrome and I'm actually reading line by line through the code and, and looking for reasons why this might be happening in these cases, but not in these cases. Um, so yeah, there's, that's pretty much the, the essential <laughs> SEO product director uh, role, I, I suppose, is meetings and work, meetings and work. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Is it, so you, you can't, I, I, I mentioned it came from big in-house job. Are the teams constructed similarly? Are there major differences between how, how you're siloed in that company versus how you were in other places you've been? Yeah, yeah. I actually, to be frank, uh, I prefer the setup we have right now. Uh, okay. Our team is situated as, as part of the product organization. So Cap G, Cox Automotive Product Group um, is, is the, the, the group that we're in. And I have found that to be the most effective place we can be to be SEOs and, and affect change across the entire platform, as well as all of our other sites. So, you know, there's me working on the dealer.com platform, right. but then we have other SEOs working on AutoTrader, uh, Kelly Blue Book, and any of the other platforms that Cox Automotive has. And so I'm, um, I'm very happy being in the product team. I've been in marketing organizations where quite frankly, sometimes it comes down to the sort of the, the trend du jour that the marketing director yes. is interested in following. And so he may be seeing TikTok being a big issue or a big thing that we need to, to pursue. And he's going to put SEO on the back burner while they go and they hire a social media company to handle all of their TikToks and Instagram uh, moments and everything. So it's, it's, that has been very frustrating in the past to, to be frank, uh, especially working for some executives and I won't name names. I'm really tempted to, um, who know absolutely nothing about um, the online marketing sphere. Uh, and they don't really realize that SEO is kind of one of the fundamental building blocks to an online presence. Uh, oh, and that's been frustrating in the past. But again, I'm not naming names. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like it. Shiny, the little shiny object syndrome. I, I guess. Right. I, I've been there. I had a CEO, in fact, one time who... Uh, we never could get anything done because it, it was every two weeks he'd discover something new. And this was back in the early 2000s. And so there really was something very interesting every few weeks popping up as a new startup started this venture and went after this product uh, and started developing this tool or this app. And he had a little bit too much ADHD uh, in order to keep the company sort of focused on what it needed to be focused on. So. Sometimes I would lose out to Twitter, <laughs> for example, or sometimes I would lose out to... because it was that day, yeah. Right. Yeah, so th this was this was a tough uh, environment to work in. But right now, in, in CapG and in the product group there, I'm extraordinarily happy. Everybody takes SEO seriously. Uh, I have full executive uh, support behind me. Uh, and if I ever, you know, call them and ask them for something, it's it's done. Uh, and if I, you know, if I need to have them yell at somebody, they go yell at them. So it's a wonderful situation. I like it. It does sound good. So, <laughs> you know, the, the last thing that I was going to ask you about the job. So Cox Automotive is ubiquitous at conferences and automotive 
all mm-hmm. over the place. You you've had a long and impressive list of conference presenting. Yeah. Um, COVID has really reset the whole conference presentation world. As we're filming this, MozCon is going on, and yep. uh, so it's maybe who knows what's going to happen. I don't know uh, yeah. what, what the next six months look like, but uh, you know, are you? Are you chomping at the bit to get back on stages? Are you? Is that is that something you aspire to do within Cox Automotive? Where where is your head on this? Yeah, well, it's, it's one of the interesting things about this industry in general is that there is a there is I hate to I hate to put a gender on it, but there's a brotherhood, a siblinghood of people who are on the the conference speaking circuit that you know we all know each other we all like each other there's very there's very little animosity you know i've known greg for example for ages um and i yeah so well before i ever got into the auto industry i I knew greg gifford um and we've been you know on stage together uh so i don't necessarily miss the speaking as much as i miss the camaraderie however um the speaking itself did put me in a position to have to sort of be innovative in my job uh, so that I have something to share um, and, right. and, and, and learn more about what's, you know, how this technology affects us or how this change at Google affects us so that I could then present that at a conference and not sound like I was giving the same presentation over and over again. So yeah, in, in, in many ways I am, um, I am really desirous to get back on the road. Um, the last conference I spoke at live was PubCon Florida uh, which was last August and uh, I was got back and immediately like worried for the next three weeks that I had COVID, but I didn't, uh, there were people yeah, that yeah. got it at that conference, but yeah. I was fortunately not one of them. I, I, I was, I was there and I, I also was testing negative afterwards. So, um, hmm. well, listen, I, you mentioned him. So I want to get to everybody's favorite part of the show. This is where Greg Gifford gives me a question for the guest with no context. So I don't know, what he's exactly, he maybe gives me one or two words and um, it's a bit of a highway act for both of us. So for, for you, he has star Wars. What does it, (laughs) are you a giant star Wars fan? What is the, what is the story here? Um, yeah, (laughs) it's, I'm I'm sort of sad that the, that I have such a limited angle on my camera uh, right now, because this, this is a star Wars inspired bar Um, off to my right. It is uh, our three shelves of helmets, including a 40th anniversary Darth Vader helmet, uh, Stormtrooper, Patrol Trooper, and two Mandalorian helmets. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a big Star Wars fan. Greg and I both are we're Star Wars kids growing up. Uh, he and I are, are both in the same guild in a, uh, a phone, uh, an app on our phones called Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Uh, so we're actually, you know, um, friends in real life and we're also friends in this virtual, uh, thing. So yeah, Greg and I are, are both huge Star Wars fans. Uh, I think he, he leans more light side. I tend to be, I mean, look at me, I'm wearing black. So you're on the dark be, side. I like it. T- tend to be dark side Sith, you know, <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I, 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 you, you mentioned, uh, the brotherhood sisterhood of the speaker community is like unbelievable how many star wars fans there are in the industry so i'm sure you guys have plenty to talk about it at dinner oh, yeah. every awesome. every pubcon in vegas uh there is a star wars t-shirt night where we all like get together where our favorite star wars t-shirts and a winner is picked from all of them uh and again that's something we haven't been able to do in two and a half years so 
Wow, that's that's a that's a strong no context, Greg question. So, um, I right before we got on, uh, it sounded like there there may be some breaking news that you've you've done some podcasting in the in the past. Is there a podcast coming in the near future that we could announce here today, or do you want to? Uh, do you not want breaking news on Suds and Search today? Ha. Well, so the thing is, is that I really feel bad on, on, on a search podcast to talk about something that's not search related. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you mentioned, the Austin Otaku podcast, uh, austinotaku.com is uh, also available on all of the podcasting platforms, um, was a, was the brainchild of Jesse McDonald and, and me, um, where we wanted to essentially meet with our industry peers and talk about hobbies. Well, it ended up expanding and we talked to a lot more people than just our industry peers. Um, and that was a lot of fun, but of course, uh, you know, the pandemic happened, Jesse, uh, and his wife had a child. So, you know, as, as a, as a father yourself, I'm sure you're aware that time suddenly gets limited, uh, when you oh, have yeah. children. <laughs> so oh, yeah. the podcast essentially died off. Um, but I, I'm hoping to start up a new podcast here in the next month, uh, on, um, the dangers of listening to lyrics in eighties, uh, songs and, uh, I'm going to basically, it's a 10 episode uh, podcast. I'll go through year by year, 1980, 81, 82, 83, and so on. And take the top hits from those years and go through the lyrics and from a psychological standpoint and just explain to the world how creepy a lot of those lyrics really are. (laughs) I love the premise for this show. I will be tuning in. Uh, (laughs) For for anyone who's wondering, what does Utako mean, by the way? Otaku is uh, the Japanese word for nerd. Uh, yeah, it's O T A K U, and essentially, and we it translates lit, uh, literally into uh, into nerd, but it actually just means someone who's extremely interested in something. You can be a, an otaku that loves train schedules, or you can be an otaku that loves collecting garlic. I don't know, but um, it, it basically does mean just someone who's extraordinarily passionate about some subject. And so we wanted to tap into what our industry peers were passionate about. And that, that turned out to be everything from, you know, heavy metal to board games, to video games, to various sci-fi franchises, comic books, the whole nine yards. So it was a really good uh, podcast series. Highly recommend you to listen to it. Um, you might be able to, you know, find some embarrassing moments on there for some of your favorite people in the industry. I do. I will make sure to link to it in the show notes. So uh, <laughs> last thing before we before we go, anyone who's listening and wants to learn more about you or dealer.com, where should they go to connect? What And what's your favorite social media to connect with people on? I tend to post mostly on Twitter. Um, there, so if you want to if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at uh, twitter.com slash Keith, K-E-I-T-H, uh, good, G-O-O-D-E. And that is that's good, like goose with a D. That's all right. You want to know how to awesome. It? Well, Keith, you are, uh, you've just been a great guest. I love the cocktail. Um, really interesting to talk to you. Continue to do this, this great work you're doing at Cox Automotive and with dealer.com. And I'm going to give you a virtual cheers. Uh, I'll sign off for now. And for everyone watching, we'll be back next week with another episode of Suds and Search. Thanks again, Keith. You're welcome. Take care.